0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Bald Movies. We've got a really cool one this week. Uh, Apollo 13. Did you know that we are days away from the 25th anniversary of this movie coming out, Jim? Uh, no, I had no
1: idea. That's definitely not why we planned to do this movie right when we did. Uh,
0: damn it. You should let me know in advance if you're not going to go into the shtick. Uh, but I, I was shocked.
1: I I leaned into it (laughs)
0: just, you know, with a wink. I, I was shocked when we discovered this fact because I'm like, I don't think this movie feels this old. This is the year that I graduated high school. I was 18 years old when this movie came out. I always feel like I was, you know, 25 or so. So I was blown away and thus because it's been i don't know a a minute since i've seen apollo 13 um i was amazed at how young everyone looks yeah yeah you know we just saw uh ed harris old man ed harris the man in black and in Westworld looking dusty yeah i can't even imagine what he looked like in the right stuff yeah he's he's got he's got uh gold gold uh gold blonde hair golden blonde hair he's a jamie lannister yeah still balding uh, i actually have his exact same balding pattern i, I can't wait I'm, I'm going to twin <laughs> twin separated mohawk uh receding hairline nice Need uh, you, you
1: to a nice nice big cowboy hat
0: I, I i need his i need his baby blues because yeah. i think that's the reason the man's uh been able to hold it down as a sex symbol all these years yeah but helps. um and and he's chariz- charismatic uh <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> that qualities I, I don't have um, but it it this was this was uh this was a lot of fun. And We did this specifically because it is the 25th anniversary of the movie coming out. Um, this movie, of course, was directed by Ron Howard, uh, with a screenplay by William Broyles and a or and Al Reinert. Uh, it was based on the book Lost Moon, which was written by Jim Lovell, the commander of Apollo 13, uh, and uh, co-written by journalist Jeffrey Kluger. It stars, of course, Tom Hanks as Jim Lovell the commander, as we said, uh, Kevin Bacon, uh, as Jack Swigert, who is going to be the commander of the, I guess, command module. Um, and they're, they're the, the chief pilot, Bill Paxton as Fred Hayes, uh, who is the, what do you call that? The, the second banana on the lunar lander
1: <laughs> uh, it's support role. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The guy that uh, helps Jim level into a spacesuit. No, it's, that's, that's, uh, Damn, in the man with faint very faint praise of course bill i feel like i don't need to explain who tom hanks is because even <laughs> like generation z knows who the fuck tom, tom hanks is kevin bacon yeah. is a meme mm-hmm. but like bill paxton if you don't know is a man's a legend yeah uh aliens weird science the terminator rise of tomorrow nightcrawler twister true lies just amazing career and just some of the
1: best lines period in hollywood like i don't know how bill paxton got got all these great lines but there's so many memorable like game over man game over that one they're just bugs man (laughs) he's he's got an amazing one in this where he says i could eat the ass out of a dead rhinoceros (laughs) yeah like where does he get them
0: yep it's a reprise of his eating a pork uh, greasy pork sandwich out of an ashtray Weird weird science yep um Ed Harris, who, as we just mentioned, has uh, is, is gotten notable work of late as The Man in Black in Westworld, but also started off, about started off, but early career work in The Right Stuff, which is the first movie I saw him in, uh, The Abyss, Glenn Gary, Glenn yeah. Ross, Nixon, The Truman Show, A History of Violence, and he plays NASA uh, mission control director Gene Kranz with some style uh, Gary Sinise, uh, an, a, a, another guy who hasn't gotten a lot of work of late, but, uh, he was kind of like my early cinema hero. I saw him first in, uh, of mice and men in high school as an assigned, you know, we, we read the book and then we saw the movie, mm-hmm. um, Forrest Gump, mission to Mars, the green mile. He plays Ken Mattingly, which is the, uh, I guess, replacement Jack Swagger position. Um, he, he, they, they were afraid he was going to come down with measles. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Kathleen Quinlan, uh, who I've not really seen a lot from, but she had prominent roles in American Graffiti and The Doors as Jim Lovell's wife, Marilyn, um, who I, you know, these are often thankless roles. You know, I think of like Sissy Spacek in uh, JFK, and it's just this hectoring woman that's always holding the the heroic man down. And I thought she was like really fucking cool um, the way she dealt with the journalists, the way she dealt with the 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 trauma that the children were undergoing, uh, the way she was like supportive of her husband, uh, who has a very dangerous but important job. Um, I don't know. I, I thought it was a, a as a pretty nice portrayal of of a pretty positive relationship.
1: Yeah, that conflict between you know excitement and worry. Uh, she portrayed that really well.
0: Yeah, yeah. It felt it felt very real and grounded and and, and sympathetic, rather than just like, oh, Jesus can. <laughs> uh' so, so let me get some some duct tape here um so that's the that's the principles what do you what I mean what do you think of this movie Jim
1: uh it's one of my favorite movies um I, I've actually seen this movie countless times uh I sat down w- one day when I was sick uh I was I stayed home from school and I watched this movie back to back like six times in a row maybe i laid in bed all day just watching this movie um damn you groundhog dated <laughs> i yeah i really did I, I pulled a marathon um and you know it, it's just it's a super engaging film it's it's like everything i love it it's like they took they distilled macgyver through like the vacuum of space
0: Man, that's a good way to put it yeah <laughs> you
1: know like when they dump out all that stuff on the table and they're like we got to make this fit in this and we got to use just what's on the table here. I'm like, that is so fucking cool. I would love to be in that room. We got to
0: do it in a matter of hours or three men die.
1: Right. Right. The stakes are super high. Um, Yeah. It's it's just an amazing film. And, and the fact that it's based on a real life event and I don't know how much embellishment there is here, but uh, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure from, from everything I've read in my research that, this is roughly uh what happened you know that there were multiple yeah. multiple burns along the way they had to you know they had all these problems with uh water and power and uh co2 all that stuff um yeah. they had to overcome it and it and it's a it's one of the finest hours i think uh as they mentioned in the movie that mm-hmm. the nasa's ever had
0: yeah, and i I did some research into like, as I was wondering that too, the embellishments. And I guess the the there's a couple sequences that were slightly reordered um, yeah. to make it more clear or the the stakes more clear. And there's also a lot of, you know, this was a uh, eight or nine day mission, and there's a couple jumps where we jump a day or two at a time because there's probably nothing happening. Then you know, right. it's still a dire situation, guys freezing in space, but like. Uh, and then they, they also reordered some dialogue, like that one scene where Tom Hanks breaks up Kevin Bacon and uh, uh, Bill Paxton and, and says, you know, gentlemen, what is your intention? You know, mine mine is to go home. I guess that was in... It has a real line from him, but the context of it is uh, Swigert and... Um, uh, 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 shit. Fred and Hayes mm-hmm. were, like, take trying to take... Pictures out of the moon and like, you know, just like geeking out like this is their first moon experience, which it was. And he's kind of like, come on, you know, this, yes, I understand this is amazing, but if you don't get home, this film won't get developed. What is your intention, gentlemen? Yeah. So it was something that kind of like, you know, sh- serves as a second, the transition from second to third arc drama
1: uh-huh.
0: um and Hollywood a bit. But no, yeah, I mean, just like all this shit that went wrong went actually wrong. And it is a, it's almost, you know, if, if this movie you didn't think if it wasn't based on a real life event, you'd think it's like gravity, right? Well it's yeah. just one goddamn thing after another, one impossible challenge after another. Um, but it was real and it actually happened. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, you know, I think it's like I there's been some events like this in my time. Like I remember when do you you might even there was this little girl that got stuck in a well down in Texas. Like a three-year-old I fell down a way- it, yeah. and like they they did like all you know they had to pump oxygen down to her and a microphone to keep her company, and she was down there for like I don't know how many days and nights, and they had to dig this parallel structure, and the world gets captivated by it. The Chilean miners, yeah. uh, those children that were trapped underground in that d- cave, uh, where where was that? The Philippines, uh, yeah, Malaysia, Malaysia. It's like such a cool captivating thing, like, you know, the world kind of like uh, you got the slow-moving disaster and heroism and ingenuity. and this happened in space, yeah, the most hostile environment and it's like it's so futuristic, too. like we had a space crisis that we had to rescue people from. um yeah, I mean man the,
1: the, the level the bar here is so fucking high, right? like yeah, it's it's okay. It's one thing to be stuck underground in a cave, but at least. There is oxygen around and the people, you know, can survive if, you know, there's a hole in their ship or like it's yes to race against time, but it's somehow easier because it's not a million
0: miles away or however far away they are. Like I was I was watching this with Jack and, you know, we were remarking on like when the astronauts like once they get in the atmosphere Hmm. And they haven't landed or anything yet, like immediately detention tension bleeds because there's a many things that could go wrong. Parachutes could still fail, that capsule mm-hmm. could sink, A helicopter could crash. But holy shit, you're now on a rock that is no longer inequable to your human life. Like you've yeah. got you can get big lungs of air anywhere you got what go. You can you can you can find water, you can do it's it's just like even though their danger is still there, it's not space, you know. Yeah. And I just you know, it, it, like Ron Howard has this reputation for being like this kind of like nuts and bolts, meat and potatoes, workman like director. Um, but as we said, like last week with Kugler's really effective Fruitville, Fruitvale Station, mm-hmm. um, sometimes that's what you want. You don't like I don't know that you need really splashy cinematography. Not that there's not any like really inventive shots and effects works here, but it, like it just the story is good enough. You just need to stand back out of remove and tell it. Yeah. And um, it really shows that you really feel like you're in the capsule. And I think a lot of them insisting on using real props and real sets and, and not as much green screen and actual zero G stuff really makes you feel like it, like it's in there.
1: Yeah. So can we talk about that? Um cuz
0: I well do you want to do I, a thing I, where we talk about the the movie it just in case people don't know which movie we're talking about like what Apollo 13 is okay yeah, yeah. like you know we 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 found out recently that recently do we have like 15 16 year old fans that's fair. like you might know what the fuck is Apollo 13 um so Apollo 13 is about this it's not it's the it was going to be the third lunar mission actually landed on the moon there were several like warm-up dry runs where uh for example jim Lovell is commander of apollo 8 where they just went to the moon and orbited it and came back you know um but this is going to be the third time we actually set foot on the moon and uh like a day or two into the mission um an oxygen tank blew up and threw everything into chaos no longer were these men going to land in the moon it was an open question of whether we could get them back um and it looked like the answer was no and it looked like there's many, many, many things stand, you know, that could have gone wrong that led to them not. And this is a two and a half hour, that feels like it's about ninety minutes long, yeah. movie that explores every facet of that and the human drama that went into it. And it's it's really fascinating and inspirational, um, which is why, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to find things in the moment to be proud of as an American. Uh, but every once in a while, we do some cool stuff and uh and, and really like you know inspire the the entire world um just like the malaysian kids did in the the day just like the chilean guys did the mine sometimes we can be so, can so fuck up and be so vulnerable that the world's like oh shit let's feel sorry for these americans and pray for their safe return and we fucking did it right here at the apollo 13 uh happy fourth yeah. of july everybody uh so that that's the pitch. That's the pitch if you're one of our 15-year-old fans and has no idea who Tom Hanks is or Kevin Bacon and why you should care about some space mission 50 years ago. It's a real feel-good story.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and
0: I think it's it's super cool because
1: the, the the way this film was made because you've got a film about the uh you know the the, the space administration um on one of its you know most doomed but also most heroic missions mm-hmm. um and they are using yeah I don't know what they're called um the the planes i know what the plane is called it's k c one thirty five the which vomit the plane comet that
0: goes what's that the vomit comet
1: okay yeah, colloquially <laughs> sure uh yeah, it's the plane that goes into the upper atmosphere and will do these maneuvers that give you. Uh, the feeling of, of give you an experience of zero G. Uh, yeah, it just
0: goes on multiple like parabolic arcs. So like on the top right. of the arc, you're experiencing zero G. And, and, and then when you get to the bottom of the arc, you're experiencing like three or four G as it's pulling up. But like you get that, what is it, like 15 to 30 seconds of weightlessness? Yeah, it's about 25 seconds.
1: And so when you're seeing shots of, of Tom Hanks and Kevin Bacon and Bill Paxton floating around this capsule and this limb, th- that's really zero G filming. Um, they, they filmed this, th- those key scenes in 25 second increments on board an airplane that was doing these parabolic zero G maneuvers. It's actually kind of mind blowing that this film is as good as it is, given that they had to shoot it in those small chunks. And you can tell like, yeah, the the, the editing is fast and furious in oh, those yeah. scenes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're cutting back and forth and you it's clearly chopped and screwed to look better than it. Would in raw film. Uh mm-hmm. but man, they do a great job and it really adds to the effect. Like I I never stopped and thought about how they got those effects when I was younger. Uh sure. when I was watching it this time, I was like, how the fuck did they get them spinning around through this narrow passageway? Were they on wires and some intricate or, system? Or the
0: thing that's like super hard even for CGI now is like the time where like Kevin Bacon was squeezing the orange juice and it like he's splashing against his arm and forming into a ball that he then sucked in like that's uh-huh. very hard to do convincingly with special effects. Yeah, convincingly. But if you rent the Vomit Comet and you you, you can yeah. get that taken for twenty seconds, then you're gold. Um, it's kind of
1: amazing. Yeah, I, I'm I'm shocked that this film ever actually got made.
0: You know, it's got a budget a budget of fifty two million. I gotta think that NASA probably kicked in ten for free because it would be good there's no way. That they were able to do the hundreds of probably flights it would take to get all those scenes. Maybe, maybe I'm maybe just Ron Howard's that fucking efficient. Like he only needed ten to fifteen flights. But I'm thinking like that Kevin Bacon thing, where he's spraying orange juice all over himself and um, Bill Paxton. That's every time you you have to reset that every fucking time, Uh right? Because the orange (laughs) juice is going just fucking everywhere.
1: Right, you need, uh, like, some kind of vacuum uh, right. to get that stuff. Or I guess, no, you wait until you get to the 3-4G maneuver and then you mop it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but, 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 yeah, I, it, I, it's, it's amazing. It's
0: amazing. And I want to say that, like, you were talking about the technical limitations about how you have to, like, shoot those in small increments and confine tight spaces. But, yeah. like, I also think that's one of the things that makes you feel like you're in the capsule. You, uh, absolutely. It, If you go like uh, me and Jack just went this winter right before everything fucked up, uh, you know, it was in January or February. We went to the Apollo mission uh, exhibit at the Cincinnati Museum of uh, Natural History. It's a a traveling exhibit. And it was our it was like the last couple of weeks to see it. And every time I see one of those capsules uh, and we saw the the actual command uh, uh, module from uh, uh, Apollo 11. Every time I see one of those, I think, Jesus Christ, this is such a tiny area. Yeah, for two people so, to be in, yeah. And and it feels like a really cramped. Like they say, it's like three phone booths worth of like a, a spare space. And it feels like that. And the camera's in there, too. And I just feel like that really felt like you were almost watching documentary footage. And, yeah. And they do a lot of adding like grain and effects and stuff to make it feel like it's like a contemporary thing. But like, I just think those limitations make the movie what it is, because if you double right. the budget and do it all CG or with harnesses and stuff... You know, yeah. the Expanse does a pretty good job, but you can tell oh, yeah. people faking. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, it, Yeah. And, and there's so much of it, too. Like they talk about how, oh, we shot key scenes in that airplane. And I'm thinking when you're talking key scenes in this movie, you're talking like 50 percent of the movie mm-hmm. was shot in that in, in those capsules. Like, yeah, it, it it's amazing to me that that
0: the amount of effort that had to have gone into that. Yeah, recreating that stuff, and they—they, I—the other thing is, I guess not. NASA offered the mission control, but how? Uh, Ron Howard wanted—I almost said Howard Johnson. Hojo said, "No,
1: we could do it in our conference room." God damn it! Yeah,
0: there's going to be orange sorbet. Uh, it's going to have a blue and orange. No, I—I I think that the, he made the decision to recreate it. Um, and I guess some of the NASA guys that they got on for advisor, like when they were ending their day on the set, they would like instinctively go for an elevator shaft from where they know it was a mission control. And I was like, oh, shit, that's right. We're on the ground floor. This isn't really mission control because I guess the uh-huh. real mission control is like up three sta- flights or something. Hmm. So and and I just like, you know, I can't believe this got made by, for 50 million bucks because yeah. it was we are going to have to start doing economic adjustments for this man cuz 25 years ago like that 50 million wasn't 50 million exactly but I mean but Tom Hanks was making 20 of that so like I wonder because I guess one of the reasons they that they they went after um John Travolta and uh who's the uh, Nicholas cage <laughs> No, who's the who's the Water World guy? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Dancing with Buffalo. Costner. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Costner. They went after him first, um, those two guys first. And I guess Tom Hanks won because he is genuinely passionate about three subjects typewriters, mm-hmm. World War II, and the fucking space program. He yeah. has spent countless millions of his own dollars on, well, I don't know about the typewriter stuff, but A lot. probably countless millions on his own stuff like have you actually seen from the earth to the moon the hbo no. series oh i've got the box set man do you want to borrow it sometime <laughs> i should it's yeah. essentially 14 hours of this uh, that sounds awesome the, yeah from like like from you know the apollo one on and well that's another one like i forgot how what a like a bummer minor chord note this movie begins on it starts with the like, apollo one fire the yeah yeah you know the the dis, like formative disaster of of NASA where we yeah, burnt I mean, up.
1: That you don't want your first mission to go up in flames, literally, literally, yeah, yeah, and, and kill some famed astronauts like Gus yeah. Grissom. What was he like? First man in spe- first American in space, or something like that. I think he was either
0: the first in space or the first to complete an orbit. I can't remember okay. which one. But yeah, he's like our he was our Yuri Gagarin, and we burnt that man on a launch pad. Yeah. With a bunch of shoddy testing, uh, our, uh, engineering, uh, rushed compromises to get this like ten-year plan done, and uh, you know one of the man that one of the men that turned this around was Gene Kranz. Like he gave this famous like speech in front of NASA where he said, you know, mission control is going to be defined by our toughness mm-hmm. and our competency, and part of our toughness is we're going to stand up when you know people are trying to rush us and cut corners and you know, um and, and Gene Kranz is the guy played by Ed Harris in this film. Yes. The guy wearing the the white the the white mission vest. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It's I'm a I'm completely in the tank for this film. I thought it was amazing when I first saw it. I've seen it probably ten times. It was a really fun experience watching it with my 13 year old. Um and, I know he's super into space and he's familiar with this story. Um, but he just like was it's it's rare to watch something this long with him with him without him trying to fidget with his phone and stuff, and he was just like sucked in from like literally yeah. minute one because they started with the Apollo fire, which is something I think he wrote a report on last year. Huh. And I, I the other thing is you know how we were talking about um, you know last week uh, with Oscar uh, the Fruitvale Station. Uh, how we were like, even knowing that we knew that the the this movie ended in his death, we were rooting for him. Yeah. This movie also gets me like nervous for Tom Hanks and Jim Lovell and everybody, even though I know they're going to be fine. How could it like, not, though? Because there's like many questions, many points in this film I kept on questioning like what it would be like. What would it be like to know that you uh, were going to go to moon sometime next year and now it's been moved up six months because of something? What would it feel like to be at a hotel room and you are just fucking around and suddenly get a phone call? Oh, you're, the person you're understudied for is, is, is going to be scrubbed. You're going to the moon in four days mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Uh, what it must be like to be the guy who's not sick at all and is get scrubbed from a moon mission yeah um and, and like I mean, you know, the
1: irony of it right that he's stuck uh mattingly stuck on the ground and uh hayes is up there you know on death's door with
0: 104 degree fever all that stuff. yeah 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 um which i <laughs> can i ask you something yeah i've seen this movie a bunch of times i've always taken it like uh as a joke what hayes said about uh swagger giving him an std from the tube but like is was that was that legit? I thought I think it's a joke, but it could like I'm I think it checks out like I think you probably could spread a sexually transmitted disease if you shared penis tubes. yeah because that's that's essentially how it spreads, right? yeah, uh, you get your p yeah. tubes and your v your, your your V tubes and they start inserting them and put them in different combinations and the the bugs just hit your ride. It's true. So I don't know. I don't know if you can get from a toilet seat like you know, but from a penis tube, yeah, yeah. maybe. Um, there's I a forget. lot of uh, like like you talked about
1: um you know some of the like the i guess inauspicious uh intro to this movie with the fire mm, of mm-hmm. Apollo one and uh that that continues for a good like 40 minutes or something in this movie i I don't know when is the point like what's the time uh code when they finally get on this mission but it takes a while oh yeah and the entire time they're hitting you with thing after thing like <laughs> lucky lucky number 13 mission, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the wife drops her ring down the drain. Like, there's, right. th- there's so many little things that they're just saying this is a doomed mission. And I get it. Like, that's the point. It, it just, at some point, like, I started noticing, I'm like, oh, boy, they're really laying it on thick here.
0: Yeah, and then there's also contrasting just, like, the consummate professionalism of the astronaut corps and everyone that works there. Like, yeah. that they just you know, practice all these scenarios. And that's why these people can, uh, you know, uh, if at all possible, put this kind of stuff together because you've got the best of the best. They've trained for everything. They don't panic. They are solution oriented. Um, and it's 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 really neat to see that. And that's what they do in the first 40 minutes of the movie. They show you all this inauspicious signs and also like how competent. I also thought it was interesting, like, though... Like that one's the I, I wonder what how I'm supposed to feel about the scene where um, Kin is that what is it Mattingly? Yeah, Kin yeah. Mattingly steals simulation time from Jack Swigert because he's the prime team and he's the other Swigert's the subprime team because like ah oh, you know we didn't get this uh, you know mission seventy five a subroutine just right let's 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 practice a couple more times they bump him, and I'm like hmm. That might have bit you in the ass because you've well, got a guy who's slightly less qualified. Yeah, they, they call him Rookie a couple times. I guess
1: it's just because he's yeah. the first, first time he's been in space.
0: Um, right, right.
1: Uh, but also, there's, you know, a duality there. It's like, okay, yeah, he's, he's stealing time from the guy who eventually becomes the pilot of this mission. But mm. also... There's a story that Tom Hanks tells on the news in an interview previously about this uh. this algae, right, that guided him home. He just got fucking lucky that his cockpit blacked out uh, and he was able to see that algae. There, there's a... I mean, his, his algae in this mission is that Ken Mattingly got bumped from the mission even though he wasn't sick, right? It's like... It's this bit of luck that put him in the position to bring them home safely because Ken Mattingly... As portrayed by the film, I'm not sure if this is true or if there were a bunch of engineers that figured this, you know, amperage problem out. Mm -hmm. Um, But Ken Mattingly in the movie is the guy who cracked the solution to getting their computers back online to bring them home safely. If he was on the ship, he wouldn't have
0: had access to be able to do that stuff. Right. And, you know, like the reason he's able to help them is his utter mastery of the systems and the ships. Yeah. Um, And. So there is like,
1: yeah, a little bit of you know misfortune and fortune tied together there right right um man i just what where do you want to go from here can Uh, we talk about some of the actors in this because like everybody everybody who's everybody is in this movie like Mm -hmm. the you can stick with the top four and say okay those are some of the biggest actors of that generation um i i i don't know how but like ed harris has had like stealthily one of the best careers like he's he's high profile but i never think of him as being like the world's biggest movie star and yet when i think of all the movies i love ed harris pops up in a, a unreasonable amount of those
0: he's sneaky a-list
1: he absolutely is as much as tom hanks is um yeah but yeah, you got those two guys. It's like
0: again. Gary Olman's another one, sneaky A list, right? Like you're like you don't think of them as being but then like, oh Jesus, look at all the stuff they're in. Absolutely.
1: Um and certainly people, you know, of, of my generation are mm-hmm. are very much familiar with Ed Harris' work. Mm-hmm. Uh and then you've got a cast of, of the second tier people here that is just full of of well, <laughs> A, it's full of Howards because <laughs> Ron Howard just decided I'm going to cast everybody in my family in this movie. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, Did you know that the mom of Jim Lovell is actually uh, Ron Howard's mother?
0: I I remember thinking that, like, this is either Jim Lovell's actual mother Uh or, oh, actually, that might be Marilyn Lovell. Um, Okay. Because the way, like, I just thought, like, there's a little something that's not professional but winsome about it, like, Uh. authentic. Yeah. but but no, it's it's actually Howard's mom. <laughs> it is, yeah.
1: And it turns out she's an actress. Like it's is it's she? not like they pulled her out of you know, a nursing home in real life uh-huh. and stuck her in there. It's just like uh uh-huh. she was playing a part. Um and Clint Howard, obviously, everybody's familiar with him. He's mm-hmm. he's a, a top tier, in my opinion, character actor. Um he's I, I don't know his role, the name of, of his position in this film, but he's I don't know. The the guy with the headset. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I don't know and, how to describe him. I describe Everybody ever. everybody's got like a little it reminds me of like you know we're talking about this is going to be a weird comparison but that movie that King Kong Skull Island movie where mm-hmm. we talked about how like it's kind of remarkable that you had like 12 dudes in this film and every one of them got like three or four really super definable traits and like characteristics and vocal patterns or like backstory. It is very efficient. Like I felt like every goddamn person in mission control through their casting, costuming, way of speaking just the like, like the little uh, characterization they give just like when they're checking, like how they all have a different way of saying go for whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like you get to know there's like 20 different dudes that I don't know their individual names and stuff, but like uh, like the flight doctor, the um, oh, man, who's the guy that looks like a meatballs char- or uh, uh, a revenge of the geeks character. I mean, it's um, probably Clint Howard. Oh obviously. yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, there's, there's just like tons of these things and they're so efficiently like sketched in yeah. that uh, it really, it's, it's a, it's a delight and it's really neat to see these guys' performances and like the way they mutter under the breath about the shit that Gene Kranz is saying. And mm-hmm. cause um, man, I Gene Kranz like seems like such a fucking cool customer. Yeah. Um, And it's not that he never rants and raves cause every once in a while he does, but like, it's just, Every time him likes to slow down, calm down one at a time, you know, think through the problem, uh, you know, failure is not an option. Uh, I, I just I, I just I just really liked uh, what Ed Harris did with the role. And apparently it's, you know, that's that's what he that's what he was all about. Yeah. Um, he's not a big fan of the direction of human spaceflight for the last 20 years. I'm not either. Lack thereof. Yeah. yeah. they've Very much lack thereof. Yeah, like, he's, like, really bemoans that, like, when faced with real, um, you know, challenges, like the Columbia disaster, uh, NASA shrinks away rather than hold itself accountable, double down on safety and and training and planning. And instead, it's just like, well, shit, we just can't do this anymore. Look, we're killing too many people. Right. We better not send people up there. It's, it's fucking too dangerous. And he's just like, you know, I, I think this is like, it's, it's fair to have the discussion about, like. How much should you spend on fa- space flight when there's so many problems here on Earth? But also, I do respect the, the 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 eye on the long game, which is we can't stay on this rock forever. Yeah, like it's 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 it's, it's you know whether it's a hundred years or a thousand years or a hundred thousand years from now, something's going to happen that where if we keep our eggs all in this one basket, we're gonna be fucked. Um, and it's clear that and- we're outgrowing it too. There's there needs to be, you know, we need more resources. We need um the, certainly, yeah, reduce, recycle, reuse all that stuff, too. But yeah, we also need more resources to keep growing as a civilization, a population. And and I think I think we can do both, you know. I think we can solve a lot of the problems here on the ground and, you know, still inspire people with manned space flights and colonization efforts and, and whatnot.
1: Yeah. And that's one of the other reasons why this is such a perfect movie to do right now. You know, it's yeah. it's
0: not only the 25th
1: anniversary of uh, Apollo 13 as a film, but also this is the anniversary or, you know, our, our reemergence um, of, of putting people into space as a country. And I think hmm. that's super exciting um and, and I I think it's a there's a potential double edged sword here with privatized space flight. I think yes. um I think it's good in some ways. I think the idea that like it's too risky to go to space and that if we kill people in the process, that's gonna be a huge problem for an administration like NASA. Mm-hmm. Whereas I you know, for better or worse, corporations I think look at that as the cost of doing business. Um, And if it's going to get us out into space, and they have to pay a few settlements over lawsuits of of dead astronauts, they're probably going to go for it as long as it makes economic sense. And there's a lot of resources in space and a lot of money in those contracts, Mm -hmm. so... It'll i do happen. wonder
0: though that the first time that space you know spacex kills like three astronauts like the congressional hearings after that are going to be very interesting to see whether it's like ah, oh, now we got to shut all this shit down or we're going to make so much regulation it's no longer But I, i've seen it it's like
1: look look at the, yeah. the you know what
0: fucking purdue pharma uh, uh
1: got yeah. up to with the opioids right right and they get lawsuits and they're just like yeah cost to doing congressional business.
0: hearing. yeah they get whipped or, or zuckerberg with social media like yeah you yeah, get settlements are built into the price hmm like
1: it it sucks like that's
0: a terrible <laughs> way to be but it's the
1: way yeah. we are and so that might be actually a boon to getting people out into space
0: yeah um i want to talk about some specific things i thought were really cool there's this early scene where jim lovell is you know in the backyard after i had this big party for apollo 11 um and he's putting his like thumb over the the moon and kind of like you know as like like a like a little range finder kind of thing and there's a scene, a callback, like, as we shift from the second to third act where he's leaving the moon, not going to see it again. And he does the same thing with the Earth. And I thought that was, like, a really, like, God, to be so close again. Yeah. And this was his final space flight, too. Like, to be so close to being immortalized as one of the very few men vanishing a small amount of humanity that's actually walked on the moon. Man. But on the other hand, like... As far as the public imagination is concerned, Apollo 11 and Apollo 13 are the only missions that, that mattered. So, like, yeah. even though some dope shit happened on later lunar missions, did you know that one of the astronauts played around the golf on the moon? fuck yeah he did brought his nine iron and a few golf balls and took a fucking took a couple i'm sure two thousand meter drives out there on the lunar mares like and the holes uh, up there are pretty easy to hit we've got him. got him. got just got on film look it up uh there's some really cool stuff happened but like you know nobody gives a shit because america itself like i thought that was an insane statement that The networks, all four of the networks at the time, wasn't going to cover humans going to the moon just a third time. Mm -hmm. Third human, the the humans went to the moon because they made it seem so boring. And I'm like, how? How how was that ever boring? Like, maybe Apollo 12 just did a really rotten in flight uh, 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 camera thing. I don't know. But like, Uh these dudes were having fun playing Star Wars holiday special up there
1: (laughs) on on 12. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it was just lumpy watching Wookie porn, and you know there's no translations of the roaring and growling. Ah, uh, yeah, I just what I don't know is that I just don't know. I I all often wonder like, is that was that actually true? Um, that that like the Americans just didn't care about space travel that quickly, like a year and a half into this process, and we're like we land on the moon, it was amazing, and I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure either, but it seems plausible. Hmm. It's a shame. Yeah. It's a shame. And I, this stuff. I,
1: I love the moment that it leads to with the wife when they try and put the transmitter on her lawn. Right. And she's like, well, they didn't care when we were going to land on the moon. And now it's extra fucking boring because we're not landing on the moon. They mm-hmm. can fuck off. Like,
0: mm-hmm. I, Yeah. That was so yeah. Good. And, you know, again, like, fuck the media both ways because they didn't give a shit about, like, the successful, fun mission to the moon and then they also wanted to like trample on this family and, and interfere with their you know cuz it's like the public has a right to know how much shit Jim Lovell's wife is losing mm. what does his kid think what does his daughter's think are they crying let's see their red puffy eyes the public has a right to ro- man fuck all of that that's not news that's not journalism that's you know what that's that's the, that's a journalistic equivalent of fucking ripping and rolling corner boys in Baltimore <laughs> Like, that's the easy fucking work you guys are doing to put off the really hard work of journalism. Yeah. So suck suck a journalistic dick and then put it down and go do some real journalism. Anyway, uh, we're talking about Apollo 13, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh I, so I want to talk about, like, this just, just, I thought they they really sold those moments. And they had, like, a, like, an elaborate, like, fantasy sequence of Jim Lovell imagining him being on the moon. I thought that stuff was really cool. I was also surprised at how much really funny humor, like, the Jim Lovell constantly worrying about him. Or, or, like, af- after he's had these, like, fights with the crew, and he's like, are we on Vox? Uh, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. of the previous time where he was getting pissy with Mission Control, not knowing that he was on open mic. Uh uh-huh and like there's a little bit of that like bosom buddies uh bachelor party tom hanks the you know that 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 comic energy coming through yeah um i the steely-eyed missile man quote comes from this movie that later like becomes part of the martian i thought yeah that was really fucking cool because it wasn't just like a really neat quote um, and a really awesome line, but it analogizes the situation with, uh, you know, Matt Damon, whatever his character is on the Mars with the Apollo 13 rescue mission. Yeah. Like you're a steely eyed missile man. I thought that was really fucking cool. And it's been it's been since I've seen The Martian and read The Martian since I've seen this movie. So I didn't I didn't I didn't make that connection.
1: Well, I think it's a I think it's a real life quote, but I can't remember who said it. Um yeah, I know I looked it up for the Martian podcast, but
0: hmm. yeah, I don't uh, yeah, no, uh, I just thought it was that that was that made me smile. Um, I really liked Jim Lovell's mom, you know, when she asked the, the kids whether they're scared or not. And she's like, you should relax because if they could invent a washing machine that could fly, my Jimmy could land it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was that was really cool. Yeah, you um, the
1: ass out of a dead rhinoceros. So it's fantastic. That's a great line, and, and excellently delivered by Bill Paxton, RIP. I,
0: I also like the the Grumman uh, engine, like limb yeah. motor guy constantly. Like, I, I you know, we're not, huh? wait, this thing's designed to get you off the moon. It's not designed to get you, like, like, just constantly. And then the second it works, he's like, how about that? Like, you know, again, that's it. a character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about that limb? I love it. I love that guy okay i'm glad you said the word limb
1: uh Kate, uh-huh. can, can you explain to me okay um so swagger is is on this mission as a pilot right uh-huh um and he is kind of it seems like he's in control of the command uh module, module. yeah but there's a separate module here that's the limb which is what they're actually going to use to go down onto the moon Uh huh. why does he never pilot that is he not trained on that uh because jim level always pilots that and, and even when they're like doing the
0: burn the course
1: correction burn it's, i think that's it's it. jim level and hayes
0: you, you nailed it like Swigert is the pilot of the command module um uh, uh Lovell is the pilot and commander of the lunar descent module and lunar landing module and they're completely different systems huh okay uh um, I mean, and i think that that's also things, like right but r- yeah well but i mean they, they do yeah. they have like i think probably different lots of different stuff and the way they would handle oh, yeah. with the you know the uh and i also think that's there's some interesting things where it's like clearly um they didn't do simulations of like doing burns with all this shit attached you know yeah. like that was never in part of the plan so there's a lot of realistic like oh christ this is like trying to you know turn three boats in a row or i, I can't remember the term or phrase but
1: yeah, trying to hit like this piece of paper. uh Yeah, you know scale and like. I and can't you noticed that like also,
0: that. there's also this thing where like their controls are reversed because they were literally thrusting this thing in reverse from yeah. what it's expected because it it wasn't designed to use the lunar landing module as a thruster. So like they had to remember not just all the other shit going in, but oh, when you push up, that's going to be down. Down's going to be up. Left's going to be right. Right. It's like god damn and and the terror of like well you got to make this 30 second burn and you got to keep this attitude in the right direction because yeah you got to hit that piece of paper side Mm -hmm. on and if you don't you're going to die you're either going to die screaming in a fire or you're going to die slow asphyxiated and freezing to death in outer space yeah shit
1: that's intense
0: oh man but I don't know the, the, you know, the Apollo store emissions are full of shit like that. Like you've heard, um, I just found out about this like five years ago, but like, uh, when Neil Armstrong was landing Apollo 11, like the auto lander was going to set them down on a field of rubble, like big boulders and stuff. And he was concerned that the limb would tip over, which would eventually kill them all. So he took manual control and skirted past that landed the thing with like five seconds of fuel remaining. Uh and they were give like huh. giving him the fuel countdown in his ear, like, you know, you got 10 seconds, eight, nine, and and he just lands it. And you listen to the, the recording of him doing that, you would never know he's scared, but like the flight the medical recorder showed that his heart rate was like 180 BPMs when he's like Jeez. trying to fucking land this thing. Uh yeah. they're all yeah, like got cool fr- cool fucking customers, like real life Brad Pitt from Ad Astra. Uh well I guess they actually their hearts raced. They just kept it out of their <laughs> Official communications. Uh, Uh, So so we talked about Ron Howard being a pretty utilitarian
1: director most of the time. mm -hmm. And I I think that's true here, Um, you know, other than the the zero G shooting that they did. Um, Um, But there's some tricks he uses that I think are super effective, like cutting to the news coverage of this event, because they're able to tell you as an audience member exactly what the risks are and exactly what the problems are um, and y- then you're able to go to inside NASA to see what the solutions are. And I think that was a really nice uh, piece of directing.
0: Yeah. It's like a great way to do exposition. Yeah. Right. Like this is the shit that like a viewing audience would need to understand because obviously Walter Cronkite thought it was something the viewing audience need to understand. Yeah. And it sets it up so you don't have to have the scene of the NASA guys like well, it's you know I mean there's one of those where yeah. like um, Ed Harris drew the earth and the moon on the, on the chalkboard and said, here's the problem. But like, there's only so many things like that you can do before. It's like, why are the NASA guys reviewing this? They fucking know. Yeah. Like, so like being able to do that with the, um, I guess a lot of times contemporary news reports. Although I did hear that, uh, Ron Howard had Walter Cronkite, which is still alive at the time, do a couple of custom voiceovers to do like, to do a little of that mm. exposition, a little bit more of it. Nice. Um, um, it's at least, according to the trivia article I read. So, uh, yeah, I I agree. It's a great way to to do that. Do you? Uh, I, <laughs> what about the medical mutiny? I thought that the flight doctors got a little bit too much shit in this movie.
1: Yeah, you know, they were I mean, like a whipping out. boys. They know what's happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, but but also just to like it's not horseshit to scrub an astronaut who got exposed to the measles and has never mm-hmm. been exposed to the measles before. Yeah. Like everything they said about that being a bad idea, it, it sucks that, like, uh, uh, the, the, the Hayes ended up being the one that got sick. But, like, you know, they're like, this is fl- flight doctor. This is, you know, flight doctor bullshit or flight surgeon bullshit. And yeah, they, they also cast as like, really dopey actor who the only other thing I've ever seen him do is play, like, a profoundly Asperger's inflicted lawyer on Boston Legal. You know, like they hmm. they 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 cast as Poindexter to play this this position in NASA that's kind of reviled. But I'm like, I don't know. Is, should he just shut the fuck up about a potentially dangerous viral situation? No, happening no, two hundred and two hundred twenty thousand miles from Earth. Like, seems like that's part of being tough and 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 uh, competent. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you you need you need a villain, I guess, for the astronauts to rage against.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Gravity made space
0: the villain. We yeah. couldn't do that here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I do. Yeah, I do. I do like how they just like you know find it's like you know what we're not doing well up here. We're not sleeping. Our heart rates are erratic. Fuck you. <laughs> just rip it off. Yeah. I'm tired of hearing about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're either going to die or they're not. Right. It's
1: it's yeah. It's not like knowing their heart rate is going to change the scenario here.
0: Right. Um, I also enjoyed speaking to comedy, uh, the portrayal of Jim Lovell's mother being babysat by these two, uh, you know, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And she clearly doesn't know who either of them are. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm Neil, this is Buzz, and uh, we're going to keep you company while you're watching, you know, we're trying to distract you from uh, watching your son roast to death. And she's like, oh, are you boys in the space program too? And they kind of look at each other like, yeah. These are at the time probably the two most famous Americans uh outside of like what Muhammad Ali and maybe president Nixon and she has no idea it's so it's so great Mm -hmm. did you know that Jim Lovell played the ship's captain from the recovery ship the USS Iwo Jima
1: like the actual Jim Lovell
0: yeah yeah the actual Jim Lovell played the ship's captain as he shakes Tom Tom Hanks hands and like was clapping him on his shoulder get him out of what that's actually Jim Lovell
1: no I didn't that's cool
0: and Ron Howard said uh, he was going to make him an admiral on that ship and Jim Lovell said, well, I retired as a captain and I still got my uniform and that's what he wore on that day. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> didn't, want, didn't want the promotion to admiral. Yeah. That's, that's desk jockey shit, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he wants, I, to, be, I mean, he I wants know, to be in the sea. You know, look, Na- NASA is
1: not, not part of the military, right? They're, they're not part of the military structure,
0: but... I mean, I think Space Force made it explicit. Like, well, they're, okay. Yeah, yeah like yeah. Uh, there's always like Close cooperation between the military, NASA, and the and the Space Command, and, and but, so
1: many people from military programs go into NASA.
0: Sure, um, and, That's and a I fast think track like, if you want to take, be an astronaut,
1: they they take that stuff very seriously, you know, rank and all that. Um, mm-hmm. af- afterward, I think the entire like flight crew and the the team in Houston were were awarded um, s- some some medals of distinction. I I can't remember the actual name of them. Um, but yeah, everybody there, I I could see why he wouldn't want to necessarily take on a different rank Mm. than he was, you know, or a higher rank or anything like that.
0: Yeah. Plus like, you know, like there's only, there's less than 20 dudes that did what he did, period. Like, you know, he doesn't need to be a glory. No, uh, um, I don't know. I don't, how much more do you have to say? Because like the, the closing thought, I thought this movie and it's kind of depressing because I remember when I watched this movie being somewhat inspired by Tom Hanks quoting uh, some of the final passage in Jim Lovell's book where he goes, I look up in the moon and I wonder when will we be going back and who will it be? Yeah. And I, you know, there's a lot of talk in the early days of the Bush administration about reviving a moon plan. And I was only against it in so much as I thought we should be going to Mars. Instead mm-hmm. of like going back to the moon. But like it literally is kind of wild to me that 25 years later, we haven't gotten b- b- beyond low Earth orbit. Yeah. You know, like we got the space station and we're we got a permanent camp campsite for humanity outside of the Earth, not even outside the Earth's atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's cool. That's cool and all but i'm just kind of shocked that we've had this technology we've had the technology to explore quite a bit of the solar system and we have done to be fair we've sent you know there's their argument that like you get more science for your buck by sending robots and probes and and i certainly have been thrilled with all the shit we've done with the martian uh, rovers and whatnot but like damn you really can't beat the wonder of actual explorers going and landing on alien worlds and taking pictures and leaving footprints and, and coming back to tell their tale or staying there and starting a new branch of the human civilization. That's like, yeah. you know, and um, I don't know. There's a, there's, there's a lot that could be said with uh, the, to, to go with this. I'm trying to keep everything like super positive other than for fucking journalists. Uh- <laughs> well, I, I guess, yeah, when I, when I
1: saw this movie, the, first i don't know 10 15 times Mm -hmm. uh i was not nearly as jaded as i am now and i didn't know as much about like the space race Mm -hmm. and all that stuff um how uh, there's a line in this movie where they say you know it it wasn't a miracle we just decided to go and the reasons around deciding to go are shitty like oh we just want we want something to boast about over Mm -hmm. the russians essentially Mm -hmm. um you know, maybe economically we want to hurt him, something like that. But the the sentiment is very much true. Like we have a distinct lack of will right now um, for space exploration, and that is unfortunate. And that's one of the good things. Another one of the good things, potentially, that I see in privatizing this is that that will can be you know tied to something other than just will, because mm-hmm. really, when you're talking about the the government uh sponsored stuff is really just about whether we want to go do this or not and essentially whether we like that determination is made by whether we want to rub it in another country's face that we can do it like right as it was in the 60s so like i'm i'm tentatively optimistic about our new forays into space and how you know exciting and how driven we'll be to do that stuff
0: I do, because I, I remember I, I was really taken with Robert Zubrin's uh, book um, about, I, god damn, I can't remember what it's called. The Case for Mars. The Case for Mars, thank you. Because um, he made it a point, it's like, you know, one of the things, to, uh, you know, because uh, he wasn't considering private space flight, he was doing everything through NASA. And he's like, you know, one of the considerations you got to think on these missions is you have to be able to do something within t- uh, two presidential terms. Yeah because like the way anything works is like you spend probably 90% of your budget in the final 10% of the phase. So anytime you've got like, say a president's all about space and he gets elected in a second, and, he, and early in his first term, he says, Hey, we're gonna go to Mars. And we're going to do it in 15. We're going to do it in 12 years or 15 years. He wins a second term election. He gets to eight years. His opponent looks at this budget and says, how much have we spent? And we're happy. And, and like, and how much we got left to spend. And this isn't my project. Fucking shit can it. And the private sector can, you know, corporations are immortal and boards of directors can last for as long as they're doing their job. Like, that is a strength of it. Mm -hmm. But I do hate that it's a political thing. Like, our will to explore is... You know, like it, it's it, I, what you said, about not being jaded is exactly how I feel, because like at one point I thought John Kennedy was sincere about, hey, we're going to do go to the moon and do all these other things, not because it's easy, but because it's hard. Yeah. No, it's because it's geopolitically advantageous to like, you know, not allow the Russians to get a foothold in the moon and then they might shoot ruined rocks at us. And, <sighs> you know, if we can fucking land the man on the moon, where can't we land the moon? Wait, where can't we land the multiple reentry rocket? You know, yeah. nowhere, bitches we own this rock like it's it sucks it sucks yeah. that that uh, we have to invent reasons to explore and it should um, be something that should
1: excite all of humanity right we should it, it should bring people together it should not be a dividing force like the exploration of our universe is something mm-hmm. that to me is personally exciting and and brings me closer to everyone involved in the process and that should yeah. be everyone not just you know a handful of people in this government administration that's underfunded
0: yeah and it's um i don't know it just it it, it feels like the other thing that's missing there is for the political wills you got to take care of people because as long as we have people in our country that are hungry or are improperly yeah. housed that don't have health care like it's going to be a losing argument to try to like spend ever more money to get two or three people onto some rock in space yeah. like if we can solve those problems then, like, finding the will to like explore and lift our heads up instead of keeping our heads fixed down on the ground gets a hell of a lot easier. Um, and I don't think it's any accident that, like, you know, um, we did all these things in a time where, like, well, I don't know. I, let's just leave it at that. I don't, like I said, I don't want to turn this into, if, hey, you know what? Politics, go to swizzbull.com.
1: <laughs> but but this movie does excite this is, me. Um, yes, you know, in the yes. way that a space program is supposed to excite you. I still, even after seeing it so many times and not having seen it for a very long time, uh, coming back to it, I'm still excited by the same points. Like mm-hmm. I'm still excited, like I said, with that MacGyver moment when they dump all the shit on the table. I'm still excited when, uh, you know, they hit the the. They they try and do their their burn their course correction burn. I'm still super excited when they finally open those parachutes, right? Or mm-hmm. the re they reestablish communication. Like those are just heart pumping, just inherently exciting moments uh, in this film. And they still work. This film holds up. I'm it's, it's- one of my favorite films.
0: It is amazing. My heart is in my throat those entire three minutes, and we're just gawking at, like, wives and sons and daughters and parents and friends worrying about the people they love, you know? Yeah. And, and the, the, I feel like that I worry. Yeah, and, like, the whole world can do that at, at one remove. Um, mm. And that's the thing. Like, man, geez, remember a time when we were all, like, on the same page about something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we... But I don't know. Cause like, I, I don't want this stuff to be a distraction from real problems, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, what a great distraction if you need it. Uh, <laughs> sure. Apollo, Apollo 13. Um, just a great movie. And, and if I you're really, 24
1: years old, maybe check it out for the first time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like if it's like, it, cause it holds up, man. Yeah. Um, it's fun, funny because like Jim Love, uh, I guess that's a, a decision Ron Howard made. He didn't want to, um, you and I thought this was an interesting decision. He didn't want to use any of the actual archival film, which I just w- when when me and Jack went to the exhibit and we saw the Apollo uh, mission film. It was like the IMAX thing. This shit was shot on glorious like seventy millimeter film and I think stereo vision. Like you could watch this in three D if you wanted. Huh. Like when I saw this on the IMAX, like it's 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 it kind of it actually kind of uh, makes the Apollo thirteen stuff look. You know, uh, not 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 shitty, but like I, what I'm saying is no, like why the fuck, why the fuck when you have this glorious? Maybe they hadn't restored it all yet. It's been 25 years since, and I think that's one of the big, you know, reasons that this movie got got released, um, the the Apollo uh, uh the film, but. Jim Lovell said that, like, when he saw it, he swore that, like he had to have been using archival footage. like, where did you, I've never seen this footage before? where where which NASA oh. archive did you get it out of? Like the man who watched the rockets launch in the space, it was on the rockets launching in the space, thought they were utterly convincing. and twenty five years later, they are rock fucking solid.
1: Nice. um
0: because they actually did. they They just filmed in zero g. Um, yeah. they they rebuilt those things to like they hired the same film the the same team that actually restored the real Apollo capsules for like museum display to build their mock-ups of the capsules and things and that detail that attention to detail shows and unlike there's a couple of contemporary films like I think Jurassic Park a little showing its age in places you know that CGI is just like CGI has gotten so good that like uh, some of those shots are not as convincing as they originally were Apollo Apollo 13 is just rock solid. Yeah. I got a thirteen-year-old that would call it out if it wasn't. <laughs> He'd be like, "When is this film made, Dad? Was uh, this made? This film made before I was born? Why is it so old? Why can I see the film grain? Is this the first film in color?" <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, great movie. Anything else you want to say? No, that's it. Well, next week uh, we are going to do a a post July Fourth of July, the Fourth of July Hangover podcast, which is going to be uh, born on the Fourth of July. Uh, a movie starring tom cruise it was directed by jesus christ jfk guy oliver stone thank you oliver stone nominated for a bunch of uh of oscars amazing soundtrack by john williams Uh, we'll be back next week to enjoy that uh but i hope everybody enjoys their fourth if they're an american if you're a rest of the world you know uh i don't know so, <laughs> the keep us in your thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Uh but uh we we will be back next week and until then I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya.